Hey everybody, Sean Tierney here from theautomationblog.com and in this episode of the Automation Podcast, I sit down with Gregory Kateb from Siemens to go over what's new with their SciTop line of power supplies. Gregory, thanks for putting this presentation together. Um, looking forward to learning all about the SciTop power supplies from Siemens. Now, just so our audience knows, you and I sat down and went through the presentation already, so I'm not going to have as many questions as I usually would, but if something comes up, I'll go ahead and jump in. But again, I want to thank you for putting this together for us. It's a very interesting topic, and with that, I'll turn it over to you. All right. Thank you, Sean, and welcome everybody in the audience today. Um, I am the uh, business developer for the CTOP Powerline based out of Houston, Texas, and essentially I cover everything west of the Mississippi, but there are multiple guys in the U.S. that handle the same kind of duties that I do. But uh, again, thanks, Sean, for the invite and hope you guys learned something new today about our product line. So this, uh, this is our general overview of our power supplies, uh, just to give everybody intro of where we are. Uh, so the top line, those are all of our power supplies in the top rug course. And we have essentially three categories for DIN rail mount power supplies. So we have a basic category, which comprises of the C-top compact line, the logo power line, which some of you may be familiar with the logo controllers, has a similar look as a logo controller, but uh, you, know, you can also use these power supplies for other applications besides the logo. And then we have a C-top light power supply. This is what we call our cost-effective power supply. The reason why is because we have another line called the C-top smart, just one level above. And you'll notice that it kind of looks similar, except the color is a little bit different. But essentially, the light power supply is a light version, so to speak, of the smart. So essentially, once you get from the basic category to the standard, of course, the cost goes up. But what the biggest separator is between the basic and the standard is that you have some kind of uh, remote signaling capability. So for the smart, for example, you have a DCOK contact you know, for remote indication that your power supply is working. And then the 6200, which I'll get into here in a little bit, that's the topic of our, of our presentation today. But essentially, yeah, the basic power supply, you can, you can think of as your simple two hours in, two hours out power supply, just for general purpose applications, uh, control boxes, things like that. But uh, of course, if you need some uh, kind of automation requirements, something a little bit more intelligence, something with more overload capacity, that's another separator between the basic and the standards that the standard categories do have uh, some overload capabilities built in. So both of the CTOF Smart and the 6200 PSU have 120% um, continuous output up to 45 degrees Celsius. And then you have a 150% uh, overload capacity for five seconds per minute. So that can help to uh, eliminate some troublesome uh, overloads and you know hopefully clear some faults downstream for using certain kind of uh, protection means. And then getting to the advanced category, those are our, those are our, you know, Top of the line power supply. So we have two. Uh, there are the C-Top uh, PSU 8200 and the PSU 8600. And the 8600, that is our top of the line power supply that's Profinet compatible. If you're familiar with the TIA portal, it is available in there. And we just released a single phase input version uh, for the last couple of years. It's just been three phase only. But in the last uh, two months, we just released the uh, single phase version of this guy. So now we have a full... Uh, plethora of options now for this 8600. But what's nice about this is that you, you're able to combine a power supply with a lot of different add-ons on the bottom row here, which I'll get into. So we call that kind of the Cadillac power supply in the sense, because you get everything in one, all these little bells and whistles. But going back down to the 8200 line, the biggest separate between the 8200 and the 6200 smart is the overload, basically the overload. So you can get three times power boost on the PSU 8200, and that's to blow a breaker or fuse downstream. 
but also the kind of overload that you get. So the, eight, the 6200 and the Smart, they do kind of a hiccuping effect where whenever you get down to uh, about 15 volts, it'll uh, turn off and reboot itself and try to see if the fault's cleared. Whereas the 8200, you can select a latching shutdown option. So if you need something that latches and, and shuts down, kind of like a remote side or something like that, that's when you'd use uh, something, the 8200 latching shutdown. So it really just depends on the application when you want to get into this uh, particular model here. Um, also, it is triple certified for hazardous environments applications. So if you have oil and gas, for example, they require ATEX, ICEX, et cetera, uh, very harsh environments. That's something that you would see uh, more with the 8200 power supply. And then just to round it out to the far right, we have a couple of different other options of power supplies. We work with our PLCs, the S7s. We have power supplies with the same form factor, uh, the large DIN rail and the applications, things like that. We have the uh, somatic design. Then getting to the DC-DC converters, uh, this is something we also introduced uh, in the last year. And when you think of DC-DC converter applications, those can be like AGVs, something running on a battery or even a boat. Uh, you need to stabilize your DC output while the, you know, the, the device or the, the AGV, for example, is running on battery, getting down to 15 volts. You want to keep it at 24 constant. That's when you would use something like that. And then the special designs we have. Whole, you know, we have a flexible module that you can adjust between three to 54 volts. We have a dual output. We have high IP protection power supplies. So we have some special designs, so to speak, of uh, power supplies that can meet other applications that aren't uh, your usual, you know, DIN rail type. Then going down to the bottom, these are all of our what we call add-ons for power security. So or reliability is another word that you hear out there, but essentially we have different kinds available. So we have redundancy modules. These are just uh, decoupling diodes. So if you want to improve the reliability of your input network, uh, you want to have multiple power supplies for redundancy, or if you need to do power increase applications, this is where it can come into play for the redundancy. And you also see here, we have a uh, new model here called the red 1200, which I'll get into. And it looks a little bit similar to the 6200, as you can see. Then we have these uh, selectivity modules, which is something that we've uh, had a lot of success with of the market uh, with our traditional model, the PSE200U. This is a little four channel version of that uh, selectivity module. But after we released the PSU6200, we also released the new selectivity modules called the Cell1200 and the Cell1400. And I'll explain a little bit later what the differences are between those two. And then when you're talking about power backup, you know, we have different options available depending on if you need milliseconds up to the hour. So if you need milliseconds, we have a simple buffer module that gives you the milliseconds of brownout protection. Getting to the UPS side, we have two types of DC UPSs. One's with a supercapacitor base. This is for seconds to the minutes of backup time. And this is a nice uh, little product because it's maintenance free. As you know, capacitors don't require a whole lot of maintenance and you can put them in little bit higher temperature environments than you can with the uh, battery-based version. But the drawback with the capacitor-based version is that you don't have uh, Profinet capability. So if you need a uh, Profinet-compatible uh, UPS, then you would be leaning more towards the UPS 1600 um, UPS, as you can see right here, is Profinet, and OPC UA-compatible, along with uh, various battery options. We have both lead and lithium-ion, which is the new kit on the block. So you know, we have a good realm of different uh, power security add-ons to make the power supply a lot more reliable. But just focusing on the PSU 6200. So this is just the front view of a single phase 24 volt 10 amp. And actually I have a virtual demo at the very end of this that will demonstrate this guy, but just to show um, you know, what it looks like on the front. So uh, again, we've uh, it's a lot slimmer than before. If you compare it to the smart power supply, the previous generation, uh, it's about 40% smaller in width than before. So that helps to save some panel space. 
But also keep in mind with all of our power supplies that you can do direct side-by-side -side mounting. So you don't have to worry about any lateral distance clearances for our product, which is nice. And also with the new power supply, we've standardized metal enclosures for uh, five amps and up and up to the 40 amp uh, coming out. So uh, that's something that a lot of the customers in the market have uh, re requested. So we've uh, abided by it and we made a uh, metal enclosures, which you can't see here, but if you turn this thing to the side, you can see the metal enclosure. But on top of that, uh, you'll see some other little fancy features, these little dip switches here. Uh, there are three available. One's a comm switch and that correlates to this uh, white diagnostic port, which I'll get into here in a second. But uh, if you leave that switch at a zero, that's just your standard DC OK signal like you like you would see with the other power supplies that we have. And we'll, once we set that to a one, you get this 32-bit uh, pulse train diagnostic, and I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, the second one, this is a high voltage switch. So again, we have a DC OK signal, as you can see here with the LED up top, as well as that relay we talked about before. But Basically, this switch here is to be used in conjunction with this uh, output voltage potentiometer. So say you have a long-distance cable run, you have to compensate for line losses. You could uh, you know, turn this up to 28 volts and then compensate that uh, DCOK alarm by changing this from a 0 to a 23-volt state. And then last but not least, there's a parallel operation switch. This is something that we brought down from that PSU8200 advanced model uh, to this uh, standard category power supply. So this is for active load sharing control between multiple power supplies. This is a good feature to have just because uh, you don't want to have one power supply that's in parallel doing all the work. Uh, that could lead to degradation of that power supply. And uh, of course, you know, if one goes kaput before the other. And then, of course, if you have one that's taking zero load and all of a sudden jumps to take full load at that point, there could be an issue with the power supply doing that as well. So having that PO switch is a nice feature to have. And we, you know, we suggest users to enable that whenever you have multiple power supplies in parallel. And then at the upper left-hand side, you'll see this uh, multiple LEDs. Again, I already talked about the DCOK status, but there's also this low diagnostic monitor and a uh, operating hours counter built in. So basically, I'll get to the next slide that explains this pretty well. But this is a nice feature to have for someone that can open up the panel and see what's going on with the power supply, see the percent loading in there, or say, you know, 10 plus years down the line, someone opens the panel and sees a yellow light at the bottom. That signifies that your power supply is less than 10% remaining in operating life. So this is something that the user can have uh, more, more knowledge of what's going on with the power supply itself. And then last but not least, you'll notice uh, we have, you know, push-in terminals standardized for this power supply. These are robust spring-loaded push-in terminals. If you were to stick a wire in there, that's really hard to pull them out. Um, and this holds an advantage over the screw type in the sense that you don't have to come back in the future and retorque those uh, screw type terminals down. Once you set it, you can forget it, and that's it. And it's really easy to pull out. So the left-hand rectangular slot, that's where you can stick your flathead screwdriver in there to open up the latch and remove the wire as needed. So again, that diagnostic monitor we talked about on the on the power supply itself. This is the utilization um, tree, or just the what it looks like. So again, you have a green light signifying that the DC OK is on, but when that green light starts flashing, that means your input is on, but your DC is not in the realm, not in the realm of tolerance. So it's not working in a sense. You're not getting any DC OK or DC output. But again, here this is something that you know someone can open up the door and see what's going on for utilization. So you notice that every bar means 30% in a sense. So 30%. So if you're talking a 10 amp power supply running two amps, you get one bar. If you're talking three amps, you get two bars. And of course, seven amps, you get three, and then you know above that you get four. But again, just keep in mind uh, this guy can run at 120% up to 45 degrees C. So you know over 90% can mean up to 120% when you get all four yellows on 
And then, yes, of course, I talked about that on the previous slide about the uh, operating counter. Once you get uh, over 90% service life, uh, this guy will turn on and you might want to start thinking about replacing your power supply. And this is the diagnostic port that you would enable from a zero to one state with that dip switch com. And there's some face plates available. We also have a predefined function block available for the uh, somatic S7 PLCs. And this is just a 32-bit uh, pulse train, one-way direction uh, communication. And within this communication, you can get some information on your HMI screen, including the voltage, current, temperature, state, you know, operating hours, and a trending log. So I'll get into that once we get into the demo. So I, won't, I don't want to spend too much time with this uh, particular slide here. And this is the portfolio as it shows today. Uh, but we are in development of more 48-volt options. We do have a 5-amp 48-volt option that was released uh, in quarter one of this year. But uh, we're in the process of developing a 10 and 20-amp for next year. And then on the 24-volt side in the three-phase, um, we uh, we launched uh, three ratings this past year as well, and we're going to have a 40-amp version out, out next year. And one thing to keep in mind with the three-phase version, which is real neat, is that if one of the three phases fails on the input side, that power supply will continue to operate. So you don't have to worry about you know failure of one phase shutting down the power supply. So an added feature when you consider the three-phase versions. But again, they, they can also accept DC input. That's also a new feature with this power supply, um, at least in the standard category. The 8200 also had that, but with the 6200, we also have it here. So if you stay, think of a stationary battery application running 25 volts for your switch gear, you can tap off that 125 volt battery with this power supply and run some uh, controls as one application. And again, I mentioned in the overview that we've also the, included um, add-on modules for power liability. So this is just a simple one line, you know, the add-on module. So we have that redundancy module here. So this is to decouple, you know, two power supplies in this case. You know, if one happens to fail, the other one's there to seamlessly take over the load. But also we have, you know, the DC UPS, you know, as we talked about before, the capacitor and the battery-based version. But then we have the selectivity module, which can replace uh, all your downstream fault protection means. If you're using fuses or circuit breakers, this could be a an alternative, and it's actually a more reliable alternative, which I'll uh, get into here in a second too as well. But this is just to show what it looks like in a 50,000-foot view. And again, on the front end of the selectivity module, it's really compact. It looks a little bit similar to the 6200, but it's not to say you can't use this uh, module with any of our power supplies. You can. just You need to feed it just with 24 volts. And then each of these potentiometers that you see here can be adjusted. And in the case here, uh, you have eight output channels and you can do between two to 10 amp uh, settings, but we also have other versions available that can do up to five amps uh, settings. And we also have four channel outputs now as well. All of them have the same form factor as far as dimensions go. They all look, look, look the same, but just keep in mind, yeah, we do have other ones available. Um, but again, uh, you'll notice that there are some similar features at the 6200 with the diagnostics interface. So again, there's a comm signal down here. If you leave that as zero, uh, this uh, white port up here is just a dry contact saying one of the channels is off. But if you enable that to a one, you get some full-blown diagnostics with the function block integration to the PLC and the WinCC faceplate for the HMI screen. So you can see uh, output current measurements out of each channel as well as a trending log to see you know the reaction. But also, if you have a you know a trip circuit, you know these LEDs right here are push buttons. But uh, if you're not able to open up the door, you can use this diagnostic feature and see the status of these uh, channels without looking at these push buttons here. So, just another means of it being able to uh, visualize what's going on within your panel without opening the door. And again, there's also two more dip switches here. We call it time delay one and time delay two. This is to optimize your uh, load surges to your loads. So. Essentially, those uh, turn on each channel sequentially 
uh, depending on how you set these uh, disc switches, it could be 25 millisecond gaps or 100 millisecond or 500 millisecond. But this is just another way of ensuring that you're, you know, the power supply is not being overloaded once you turn on the loads, you know, for, you know mitigates the load surges. And then we have this uh, remote reset functionality. This is real nice. Again, you know, you don't have to open up the door to push this button to turn on the trip circuit. You can have a push button wired to this, or you'll see here in my demo later on, you're able to uh, use the uh, HMI with has a reset function on there, wired back to the PLC, and then that PLC, you know, will output it back to this uh, input right here. So. So I just want to jump in here for a second for our listeners who are on the listening to the podcast. Maybe they're driving. Just visualize you're bringing your 24 volts into this selectivity module, and then you can feed up to eight, eight devices. And there's just so much going on here on this slide. It's just, it's just, it's, it's pretty exciting that, you know, you can actually set up that each of those eight outputs come on after a slight delay. So they all don't come on at once. And, um, the other advantage is if one of these, uh, if you need to reset these, there's a, you can send a signal from your PLC to reset them as well. And just like the power supply, this has that output, which you can turn on, that you can actually send that pulse train to the PLC and have a little code in the PLC to give you updates to what's happening with this module. You know, it could even tell you which one, which of these outputs have tripped. So, I mean, it's just, it's just, there's so much on this slide. If you're listening, I definitely recommend maybe later on taking a look at the actual video because it there's it, just so much potential i can like i can think of all kinds of applications for this and so if it sounds like something you'd be interested in uh check out the uh, check out the video and the presentation because it, it truly is it's it's like the first time i saw this product i was like wow <laughs> there's a lot of applications you can use this for and yeah these are the face plates which i'll show you on my demo here but again there's that reset functionality here that you can use the hmi screen for to reset and this new selectivity module has two flavors, uh, the cell 1200 and the cell 1400 each have, you know, their own ratings as well. Uh, you know, eight channels, four channels, et cetera. But, um, the main separator between the two is that the cell, the selectivity 1200 uses a electronic switching type characteristic, similar to circuit breaker, you know, the I square T effect, essentially the higher the current, the quicker the trip. Whereas the selectivity 1400 uses a current limiting characteristic where essentially it'll turn off. Once it hits 100, 150 milliseconds, it'll turn off in five seconds. Once it goes above that, and that's 150% of the uh, set point of that potentiometer. So think of it like that. When you set that potentiometer, think 150% on, on top of that. But again, by doing that, the current limiting effect, you're uh, reducing the uh, potential of dropping that DC bus below 20 volts. So essentially, it depends on your loads, long story short. Uh, if you have loads that can handle you know, below 20 volts, you can get away with the selectivity 1200. But if you cannot, you know, you can't, if you cannot afford anything below 20 volts, stick with the selectivity 1400. And we also have a real nice uh, YouTube video for those out there. If you want to just go to our YouTube site or just Google, like, just Google uh, select cell 1200 or cell 1400. The first video that's, that'll pop up on YouTube is, uh, you know, a nice little five minute long video that explains this uh, slide right here and when you should use one or the other. So. Well, that's just to go to show that we have, you know, different options available. The 1400, we use the same technology in the 1400, that, that current limiting type with our traditional uh, PSC200U. Uh, so we introduced the selectivity 1200 switching type with this new series. So this is just an add-on because like not every application requires that current limiting effect. And this is how the portfolio shows today. Um, 
what we have available, the eight channel and the 14 channels. Again, you can dial them in between two to 10 amps or one to five amps, depending on how much, um, how much you need in your application. And then going to the redundancy modules just real quickly. Uh, again, these are just simple decoupling diodes inside of a DINREL mount enclosure. So it can be used in a couple of cases here. I mean, um, just to go straight to it. So power supplies don't have, typically don't have a any kind of a blocking protection means. Not to say you can't put them in parallel, but you have to take into account some uh, factors such as turning them on at the exact same time, making sure you have equal distance wire runs and you're wiring them and you have to wire the two outputs at the terminal block itself, not to each other's output. So by doing that, you can have parallel increase, but you don't have redundancy. So if you have one power supply fail, then the other one will probably go down with it as a result. So if you're worried about redundancy, we've uh, introduced these redundancy modules. And essentially, it's a, just a diode circuit, so it prevents any kind of backfeeding that goes on between the two outputs of the power supplies. That's one of the usages here. So you'll see in this example here, this is just a common input for both power supplies. And this is in the case of, you know, if you have one power supply veil, the other guy is there to seamlessly trans uh, transition over. And of course, going back to that parallel operation dip switch, that's where that would come into play as well. So if you're going to use this kind of application, make sure to enable that parallel operation dip switches on both of the power supplies. That way you have the 50-50 load sharing control. And this right here is to decouple two 20 amp power supplies with a 40 amp rated module. But say you want to decouple uh, 40 amp power supplies, this is where you have to use um, one mod one redundancy module per power supply and basically jumper the two inputs together to make that work. So that's sort of the situation you have a power supply failure, but say you have redundancy in your incoming. So one power supply has incomer A and the other power supply has incomer B to create more redundancy on your input network. But say, you know, incomer A fails, you still have incomer B available. This redundancy module again will facilitate the transition between the two power supplies to seamlessly transfer and don't have to worry about losing your, uh, network downstream. And again, that's for, for redundancy purposes, but if you want to do a power increase application, say you want to have 120 amps on your app, on your, on your, on your panel, but you know, you're limited to 40 amp power supply. Well, you can get to 120 amps by using these redundancy modules in lieu of, you know, a circuit breaker or a fuse. So again, these are just blocking diodes in a sense here and each power supply has its own. And when you add them all up, you get to 120 amps output in that case. And with the new redundancy 1200, we can now do a series uh, increase application. So say you want to start off at 24 volts and then jump it up to 48 volts for whatever reason, you can actually use these uh, redundancy modules in that fashion as well to put them in series. So, but again, we have 48 volt options as well in the PSU 6200 said, I don't see a whole lot of application for the series connection, but just to show you that it is there, if you have to say on the fly, just jump it from 24 to 48 for testing equipment or something like that, that could be something using it for so so that's our introduction to all the different uh new products that we have and i just want to go real quickly into our short demo to show you how this works so this is our virtual demo and actually it's based on a real live working demo that we uh take around the country and show to various customers but uh, this demo does essentially two things it um, shows you the different face plates available of course that you can get out of the diagnostic um, interface, but also it compares the performance of a miniature circuit breaker versus the selectivity module just to have a visualization, you know, why the selectivity module is a more optimal level of protection versus the selectivity. And I can toggle the two op, you know, two devices down here. So I'm going to toggle it to miniature circuit breaker first. 
But before I get to simulating the differences, I'll just show you real quick the uh, power supply diagnostics. So this is your home screen here. You have a state. And again, you have the same kind of LEDs that you would see on the uh, power supply itself on the left-hand side right there. Statuses of the dip switches. And then you have operating counter. You know, it's green right now. But once you hit that less than 10% lifetime, that would turn yellow. And of course, the power supply needs to be within a stable operation it needs to be within a stable environment and temperatures, of course. So this power supply can handle between minus 25 C up to 70 degrees C, but there are some, uh, content you do have to take into account uh, derating once you get above 45 degrees C to the 70, de 70 degrees C point. So just keep that in mind if you're going to run at high temperatures. But yeah, if it starts to get too high, you'll have indication here that, hey, your, your panel's running too hot and the power supply doesn't like that. And, you know, you don't want to blow up your power supply as a result of burning out, you know, by running at high temp. Now the phase error that comes into play when you have the three phase model. So of course we're dealing with a single phase 10 amp model here. This is you know, not used, but if you use the three phase version, then you have a phase indication error. And then next you'll see the output. Uh, there's an output voltage indication here of the power supply. In this case here is 23.9 volts. And then the output current is about two amps. You know that's what this motor down here is generating is about two amps down there. And then we have these uh, counters here for over for output over voltage and output under voltage. So say you have a sag in your DC bus that causes the power supply to turn off and turn back on. Uh, you see an increment down here from one and from one to two, just depending on how many times that happens, you know, in operation. Information tab just gives you some information on the device, you know, article number, serial number, in case you have the caller support line asking for help. This information is available on the HMI screen. And then we have a trending log that I mentioned in the presentation. This is a static representation, but in real life, this would be a running log over a 10 minute window just to show you the output current, the output voltage over that 10 minute window. Can I ask a question? Yes, sir. You're showing us on a Siemens HMI these, these screens, which is telling us all the information that's coming from the power supply. And we're using the power supply sending out that bit train to the PLC input. In this case, let's say an S7-1500, right? Now, I think there's two things I need. I need this like a um, a block I need for the S7-1500, and then I need the screens for the HMI. Where do I get those? Is there a, a link in the manual that shows me where to download those from the Siemens website? Uh, yes, in the manual, there's uh, a link there. But uh, of course, if you go to the iMall, it's all available there as well. But yeah, there are, there is a predefined um, S7 uh, function block available, as well as the WinCC faceplate for the comfort panel available in the IML, but yeah, you'll find that information in the uh, manual as well. Okay, great, where, thank you. Where to go Where to go find it, yep. And the same thing for the selectivity module, which I'll turn on here in a second. There's also a pulse train that goes into there, but you know, for those that don't see the demo, you'll see a blinking light at the top. It's a one-way communication, 32-bit stream. And then it refreshes every uh, three to eight seconds as well, so keep that in mind too. So whenever you're reading values on the HMI screen, there is three-second delay. But Going back to uh, the actual demo itself, so let's just show what happens with a circuit breaker. So you notice when I turned on the miniature circuit breakers, and these are all two-amp rated circuit breakers, by the way, from Siemens, of course. We have really good circuit breakers, not to deny that. But again, the thermomagnetic uh, and general use applications. So we found out for 24-volt applications that they're not the most optimal level protection. So the first thing you'll notice is that this uh, output 2, which is running a uh, capacitor in parallel to a pilot light, you have to toggle that uh, circuit breaker a few times because you know a cold capacitor is an instant short as a result. So you have to toggle and make sure it turns gets a little bit warm like a sponge, and then it's able to absorb the uh, the charge it's going to handle. 
So that's one of the things with the circuit break, you have to toggle that and you'll see with the selectivity module, that's not a concern. Um, but then once we're talking overloads and short circuits, so let's do it. Let's go to output one and output one is going to this two amp rated motor that's running right now, but let's hold down this motor and see what happens. So I'm generating an overload and you'll see on the HMI screen that it went from two amps to three amps. And you also notice on the power supply itself that the two bars on the left here at two amps is one bar. Now hit it again. It's three. Just uh, it's one bar. And then I'll hit it again. Now it's two bars because it's three amps, which is you know between 30 to 60 percent loaded. But one thing you note don't see is that the uh, circuit breaker trips. And this could be a big issue because if you have line losses, you know between that breaker and the motor, uh, it, you can end up burning out that motor because the breaker's not sensing that it's an overload. But you know down here by the motor. Uh, that wire could be getting hot and could instantly um, could eventually burn out as a result. So that's one of the issues with the circuit breaker. It doesn't detect, you know, long distance lines, uh, long distance lines overloads. And then when we talk about short circuits, so I have this jumper down here that I'm going to simulate a short circuit with. Oh, what happened? <laughs> that's meant to happen. So if you didn't see that, I'll do it again. Well, I need to reset it first. So you notice the power supply, it went to overload and it turned off. And as a result of turning off, it shut down the PLC, it shut down the HMI screen and all the loads as a result, because that, you know, power supply is trying to current limit, you know, within the five second before turning off, but the breaker didn't trip in time in that case. So this is something that we're able to visualize with our actual demo. When we show it to customers, we play with the breakers and show this happening. And that's where it gets the eyes open uh, real big because yeah, that's a big problem to have. So the more optimal level protection that we promote is the selectivity module. And you notice the first thing, let me just do that again. I'm gonna go back to zero state, go back to selectivity, look at the lights turn on sequentially. So that's that time delay feature that we have set. So we have the two dip switches set for TD1 to one and one. That means that you're gonna have a delay startup of 500 milliseconds. By delaying that startup, you're able to turn on each of these loads easily because you're not putting a whole surge onto, that, uh, on, onto these loads as a result. Then going back to the diagnostic interface, now we have another train, 32-bit train communicating to the, H, uh, to the PLC input, going to the, pro, uh, to the HMI screen, but then you have the WinCC faceplates here. And on the previous generation 202U, you were able to get some diagnostics out of it, but only status indications, just like green status meaning that you're on and red status meaning that you're off and yellow status meaning that you manually turned off that channel but you didn't get any uh, output current measurements. So that's one of the new features with the selectivity module 1200 and 1400 is that you can actually visualize the output current readings, but also the trip set points that you have with those potentiometers. So you'll notice the first three channels have the set point at two, mil two amps, just like the uh, circuit breakers are rated at two amps. And again, you have uh, output measurements of each channel as well as the state indications. So everything is green and turned on right now. But also, uh, if you were to have a uh, short, you have an overload, so let's do the overload on the output one, you'll notice that first channel is blinking green to signify, hey, something is wrong. And it remained too long, so it turned off. So a red LED means that it's turned off, and if it's solid red, that means you can't reset it. But once it starts to blink red, that means that you have, the selectivity is allowing you to reset it at that point. So in this case here, if you look at the output one state, it did automatically turn off. It says the reset is possible, and the reason why it turned off is because the output, uh, the output amps was actually higher than the output set point. So I was drawing three amps and the set points at two amps. That's why I turned off. So to reset this, there you have a number of options available. You can do it locally with the 
LED right there, really simple. Just turn it back on the push button next to the channel itself. So that's when you have to open up the door. But if you don't have the means to open up the door and you want to do it a lot quicker, you can use the uh, input available on the selectivity module. It's called RST for reset. And you can wire it to a push button or in the case here with this HMI screen, we actually have a reset functionality here. And this again is triggering the PLC, which is wired back to that uh, reset port to trigger that reset of the selectivity module. So I can do it from the screen as well, which is real nice. And then let's do the short circuit simulation. I did it here, nothing, no impact on anything else. The HMI is still on, the PLC is on, and the two other loads are still working without any issue. And then we remove that short. We're able to reset it the same way. If you want to use the push button down here, we can do that as well. And just to round it out, again, we have similar information, just like with the PSU 6200 as far as the information, article number, et cetera. But also the trending log is a real nice feature. Again, you can have you know output current measurements on every channel on the uh, selectivity module. So yeah, long story short, in the digitalization world, you know everything needs to be communicated to some cloud-based uh, environment and having someone not within the building be able to visualize the data. So this is another new means of being able to do that. And this is something that we're proud to release to the market. And hopefully uh, the audience out there has, a, has an application for that. And if there's any questions, of course, I'll be happy to answer those. Yeah, I mean, definitely the power supply is impressive. But the selectivity module, I'm like, I, I, I can't see having a, a panel without the selectivity module. I mean, typically you're going to have a fairly large 24 volt DC power supply and be able to have a separate line for each of your major devices, your PLC, your HMI, your field devices. I mean, it, when, when you first showed it to me, I'm like, wow, this is, this is something that should be, or something like it, this model or, or something like it should be in every panel. And most of the panels I've seen, they just, you know, I mean, they may have a bunch of individually fused or, or, or circuit breakers, but as you showed with the circuit breakers, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you know, you. I think you did a good job showing where this is better than the circuit breakers because circuit breakers are great, but um, you know, in certain instances, you know, they can take down your whole system. And it defeats the. I mean, it also is an improvement over a fuse because, of course, a fuse you have to keep spares available and open up the panel again and. Who knows? I mean, yeah, it's just it's, it's quicker to turn to turn the circuits back on and think of it. You know, you have a fused performance with the functionality of a circuit breaker and with some more smarts built behind it. So now let me ask you this. Now, and not everybody's going to have a standard on the uh, not everybody's going to have standardized on the S7 or the comfort panels um, because this is just a standard post train out. Right. I mean, do you have any other blocks for other programmable controllers? I mean, I guess you could write one from scratch. Uh, well, and I should ask that question too. If I wanted to write it from scratch, do you uh, do you have a document that tells me how to do that? And then the second part would be, do you have have you have your team made any blocks for other manufacturers? Yeah. So to answer the first question, we actually do have a separate uh, manual that uh, identifies every bit on that 32-bit train as far as what it means, and so. If you have a good automation engineer, they should be able to extrapolate that data and program it with a uh, competitor PLC. So we do have a custom. We did. We do have you know one of our distributors out there working with General Electric PLCs. I was able to make that happen right. on his end, for example. Uh, but of course, with coming from our realm, uh, we actually you know did our homework and realized you know this power supply we like to sell that you know with every PLC out there. So of mm -hmm. course, we've done it with our biggest competitor, which is Allen Bradley. So we do have a function block available for the Logix controllers. Uh, so if you need, uh, you know, less 
work on your end, just come to us. We can give you that information there and you can just plug and play it with those uh, PLCs as well. That's excellent. Yeah, because I can see that, especially my background being uh, being with uh, Logics PLCs, that's really good to hear. So whether you're using a Logics or using an S7 or possibly mm -hmm. some other PLC, you still could get these pull strings to work either from the pause play or from the uh, selectivity module and um, and go from there. Yep. And I guess just to throw it out there, too, if there's anybody in the audience that deals a lot with NEC Class 2 applications, mm -hmm. um, we actually have a selectivity module from the, P, the from the you know previous generation, the PSE 200U. Uh, that's NEC Class 2 rated. So what that does is it's a four-channel version, um, but essentially you can pair a big power supply, like a 20-amp power supply, and then each of these four channels is uh, limited to three amps on the output. And then you have 110% instead of 150% current limited in that sense. So that's what helps to meet the NEC Class 2 requirements. So this is a good alternative versus having a bunch of little small, you know, three amp rated power supplies in a panel. You can have one nice big power supply and then you have the overcurrent protection built in already with the selectivity mo module while regulating each output to the NEC class two requirement of hundred VA. That's so a good just, point. A lot of the, actually a lot of the stuff we have in the, uh, in the studio requires a class two power supply, NEC class two. So mm -hmm. that, that's an excellent point. Yep. So yeah, just keep that in mind. I mean, it's not with the cell 1200, 1400, it, you know, it is in the works. I don't have a date yet, but it is in the works. But we, if you need that requirement right now, uh, we do have the product available from the PSE 200U family. Now, I think in the pre-show, there was some questions about COVID and shipping and getting the products. Can you address that? I mean, uh, is there any issues right now? Uh, no, not from our end, because uh, fortunately, we produce everything in Europe, primarily in Austria. And uh, as a result, we were able to the folks over there were able to work things out when the pandemic started. So they've been working 24 hours a day in separate shifts to meet the, the market demand of the world. So we haven't experienced any delays coming out of uh, the headquarter into our facility here in the U S as well. And there's no delays, So we don't, yeah. We're That's good. excellent. Yeah. If there's interest in any other products out there and like in particular that PSU 8,600, I mean, I can do another presentation based on that. Um, if you want to get into that realm, but uh yeah, we're happy if, uh, if you guys out there are happy with what I present today. Feel free to comment and feel free to reach out to me if you need to as well. And I'll also throw out, too, if anybody has uh, questions for Gregory, um, just you know, post them like you normally would here on the podcast and what we'll do at theautomationblog.com or um, in the forums. And I'll make sure I forward them to Gregory. And if he's not the right person, depending on where you're located, let's say you're in Canada or Mexico or overseas somewhere. I know Australia and people from England. You know, let us know where you're from regionally. And we'll get that question to the right person. I get the right person to answer your question. But, uh, Gregory, I'm going to thank you so much for putting this together. I've learned a lot. It's a, to me, it looks like a very exciting product, especially the, the selectivity module, but I don't want to, I don't want to downplay the indicators on the front of the power supply. I don't know how many times I've had to take my, uh, my uh, clamp on a multimeter to see, Hey, am I overloading this power supply or not? And uh, having the indication, those four lights on the front to tell me, you know, if I'm at 90% or 60% or 30%, that's pretty mm -hmm. huge as well. And of course the pulse yep. strains are, are awesome. So, hey, thanks again for putting this together. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Appreciate the time. Well, I really enjoyed that update on the side top line of power supplies and selectivity modules. We even have one here that they sampled us that we'll be trying out later in the year on the automation show. But for now, I just want to say a huge thank you to Gregory for 
coming on the show and giving us that update. That was some really good stuff. Loved that demo at the end too. With that said, I want to thank all of our backers over at patreon.com forward slash automation, as well as pitch my full-time job where I teach uh, automation courses over at theautomationschool.com. If you know anybody needs training, please send them over. And with that, I just want to thank you all for watching, for listening, for subscribing. And until next time, my friends, peace.